Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together as we praise the Lord. Oh, it's good to be together. Raise our voices. Let's sing together. He led me out of the desert, brought me into his streams, river of living water, turned my bitter into sweet, and all my burdens are lifted. He took the shackles off my feet, there's no sound louder than a captive set free. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises. on in heaven, don't you? Let's sing it together. Huh? 
so good to be in the house of the Lord. And we want to, we want to sing this. So y'all help us out. Come on. You are my yeah. Y'all sound good this morning. You are my deliverer. Let's sing to him this morning. He resides in our praises. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. You are my deliverer. We're gonna join you now. You are my
there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for meeting with us today. Thank you for being in this place. God, we've come just to worship you. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter what things look like, I feel like there's breakthrough in the words, I trust you, Jesus. So God, even though things might not make sense, we might not always understand what you're doing, we trust you. We trust you. And we thank you that you're working all things out for the good of those who love you. And we love you, Jesus. That's why we're here. We surrender to you. We surrender to your ways. Your word says your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways. So God, we trust and we surrender. You see what's hidden under the surface. You see the beauty under the tarnish. You will find if I what you call gold. You Here in your presence 
You can be seated as we pray. Father, it's our privilege to be with you. Lord, I was thinking about what I saw on the wall in my house. Today I choose joy. So, Father, that is our choice collectively right now. By faith, we choose joy, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And, Father, we are grateful today for your presence. Father, thank you that everything about today, you are reminding us that you are Emmanuel, God with us. So, Lord, we celebrate you today. We honor you today. We bless you today. 
And we continue to enter in and engage you in worship, in fellowship, in koinonia, in union with Christ. We are grateful. And we bless you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Good to see everybody. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm a lead pastor here at Bridge Church Fredericksburg. I want to welcome you this morning. This is the in-between time. Is, am I the only one who thinks this is a weird time when you're between Christmas and New Year's? It's, you're not sure if it's holiday or if it is. We're all kind of checked out and all that. And so we're just sort of in the in-between, whatever that means. But it's great to see everybody. I'm glad that you're here. We had a wonderful service this morning already, a sweet time with everybody. It's been a, it's been a wild week. I mean, we've had a lot going on, and uh, Christmas Eve service was just amazing. Uh, Annette and I actually will celebrate five years here in January. Is that crazy? Can you believe that? So like I said, time, ha time flies when you're having fun. I mean, that's just the way it is. And when you're getting older, I'm just saying that just, it seems to go faster. But we were talking about that and just, just how blessed we were. But so this Christmas Eve was our fourth Christmas Eve. And uh, I have to say, I think it was the sweetest one yet. I don't know, maybe just with everything that's happened this last year, just when we're together, it's just sweet. It's just sweet being together. And I have to say, in, in all honesty, probably when we're together like this, this is the most normal I feel out, outside of the house. When we're together like this, fellowshipping, connecting, enjoying Jesus, enjoying his presence. So thank you for being here today. And if you're a first-time guest, we want to welcome you to the bridge. Could we welcome our first-time guest with a hand clap? It's great to have you. And just so you'll know, I actually had my wife holding this earlier, but she dropped it on me. So that's an inside thing. So anyway, I'll pay for that later. So this is our gift bag, and it has lots of goodies in it. And if you're a first-time guest, if you'll stop by the Connect Center on the way out, fill out a Connect card, we'll get you one of these bags with all kinds of goodies. And we're just saying thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it. For those of you that are watching online, thank you for being with us as well. And uh, we're, we're in no way ignoring you. We appreciate you and welcome you. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, do make comments. That lets us know that you're there and always love to hear where you're from. And so we get folks from all over watching and participating. And we just welcome you into, into our, in our home, so to speak, as you welcome us into yours. And so thanks for watching today. If you have any prayer requests, by the way, if you're watching online, you'll see on the screen info at bridgefbg.com. And you can write in your prayer requests. We'll get that to Ms. Charlene, who gets that out to our prayer warriors and our email, our prayer email partners. And so we'll pray for you and stand with you. We're here to hold your arms up. Again, thanks for being with us today. Also, by the way, if you are watching online, do uh, get your communion elements together because we'll participate in communion in just a little bit. And for those of you that are here with us, and if you have any prayer needs, we want to pray with you. And all you have to do is on your way out at the Connect Center, there's a prayer card there. You can fill that out. And then in any of the black uh, boxes that you see around, the drop boxes you see around the building, you can just drop it in there. We'll pick that up, and Miss Charlene will get that, and we'll get that out to our prayer team. We want to stand with you and pray with you and hold your arms up. Speaking of prayer, let's talk about our VIPs, our very important people. And uh, if you have your VIP card, go ahead and pull it out. If not, we've ordered a bunch more, about to. Uh, I'll do that this week, and we're, we've got a few left, so if you haven't picked one up, do pick one up. We'll have more coming. On one side, it's seven blanks on each side, and it's, these are very important people. That's what it stands for. On one side, we put people on there that we know need Christ. They're, they're not born again. They need Jesus, and so 
We want to pray for people. Pray them into the kingdom. Amen? And you can put them on that side. And then on the other side, we're praying for those who maybe for whatever reason life has happened and they've just lost their connection. They're just, for whatever reason, they're drifting. And we're calling them home. And we want to pray for them. And it uh, be nice to know if in various seasons of my life that somebody had me on a card like this and was praying for me by name. And so um, I found out after I became a follower of Christ that a high school youth group in my community had me on a hit list. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't get away from Jesus. They were praying for me, and so so thankful for that. I ended up being baptized in that church. So, um, so praying for reconnect, praying for salvation. So take out your card. We want to pray for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is our privilege to pray for these very important people. They're important to us. We know they're even more important to you that you love them and you value them. As much as we love them, you take that to a whole other level, and we're thankful for that. So we call the prodigals home. We call those who are disconnected home. We call those who are lost to be found. And, Lord, we pray for them, Father, that they may come to a knowledge of the truth and that the truth will set them free. So we hold them up to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we also... Pray for our fellow churches and sister churches around our community that are meeting and gathering right now all over our community to worship you and to celebrate Jesus. Father, would you encourage them and bless them and may their pulpits be filled with the fire of the good news today, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hold them up and we're grateful that we get to link arms and run together and advance the kingdom ball down the field together. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen and amen. I always like to remind you, and our, our safety team appreciates it when we do this, but for your safety, if you'll notice there are exits right there, you'll see that. Exit down there, exit outside the foyer. There's also exits on this side of the room as well, so just make a note of that, and uh, we appreciate our safety team. Let you know what's going on on January 10th. On that Sunday, we're going to have an intro to Connect Groups. It's a luncheon, so we need to get a reservation, get a registration. We have nearly 30 active uh, connect groups in our church this fall. So we've got a lot of groups meeting, and we've learned a long time ago that to grow large, you need to grow small. That means you've got to connect in a small group. And we say this around here, that connection is protection. And so there's just something about knowing there's people that are close that you can call on. So we want you to get connected to a connect group. And if you're interested in that, or maybe even the Lord's put on your heart to possibly lead a connect group, a small group. We want to help you do that. And we'll be having that meeting on January 10th. Go to our website, and you can actually register on our website, or you can register out here at this computer out here in the hallway. We've got an opportunity for you to do that. Also, on January 13th, uh, we're starting Financial Peace University, near and dear to my heart, my former boss, Dave Ramsey. And uh, I worked for Dave for a few years out in Nashville. And I uh, want to invite you to get involved in Financial Peace University. It's a great class. Doug Spredo leads that. It's Doug over here. He'll be out in the hall afterwards and registering folks. And he always puts on a great class. This is a game changer for your life, especially in these times more than ever. So be sure and pray about that and sign up. Register and get involved. Doug can give you more information on that as well. So now we're going to turn our attention to Jesus and communion. Last night, Annette and I, we, we just like a lot of you, we watched a lot of Hallmarky type movies <laughs> over the holidays. And, uh, and, but last night we decided, she said, let's watch, let's watch an episode of The Chosen before we go to bed. Just so that we go to bed with that really in our heart. And we watched the episode where 
Jesus heals the leper. Oh, God, I get emotional thinking about it. Where he heals the leper, he just shows such compassion and such love. If you don't know this about a leper, is it, they had to literally, they couldn't come within four cubits, four links of an individual. It was illegal for them because you think, you think COVID's an issue. This is COVID times a million. And it was a death sentence for anyone who, who had leprosy in the first century, and it was rampant. It was a pandemic then as well. And not only could they not get in someone's presence, they couldn't even breathe the air because it was airborne, and so it was so dangerous to even be around. And so the, those who had leprosy were completely shamed and shunned and rejected. And they were required by law that when they went into any public area, they had to call out, unclean, unclean. <laughs> Felt like doing that a couple of weeks ago when I had my little bout with COVID. I was like, unclean, unclean. And they had to do that in public. And it was, again, it was shaming and it was, it was horrific. Utter rejection. Not only did you have a death sentence, but no one would be around you completely isolated and in this episode we watch where Jesus went over to a leper and the leper had just fallen down before him and begged him he said if you're willing you can make me clean and Jesus looked at him and said I am willing and while his disciples are freaking out because Jesus has now gone up to this person and he's speaking to him to face to face Jesus with extreme compassion releases healing into that leper and course in the scene on, on the show you see you see his skin clear up and he has new life because of what Jesus did and I think about when the disciples would get together with Jesus for a fellowship meal a dinner how they must have told and retold those stories over and over and over how they must have talked about when Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and you know they had to laugh when Peter didn't quite make it all the way and he began to sink and he called out, you know they had to, in Jewish fashion, tell those stories with great animation and emotion. They're an emotional, exciting people to be around. They're loud and they're raucous. And you can imagine how they told those stories. And I just picture Jesus with his disciples on the night before he's betrayed, recounting those stories, knowing what was about to happen. If you don't have a cup, we want to get this to you, and we have our guys back here. Appreciate guys helping us out. If you'll raise your hand, we'll get a communion cup to you. They're coming your way right now, so just keep your hand up high so they can see it, and they'll get that to you. For those of you that have been here, and if you're new, just if you'll open that top layer first and just peel it back. Not all the way, just about three-quarters of the way It's best. And then, then second, you can peel the gold layer, and that'll expose the juice. coming your way. The book of Isaiah, when Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus, it says this, he was like a lamb led to the slaughter. Watching that last night got me thinking about the nature and character of Jesus. Now, I went to college at Howard Payne University, which is in Brownwood, Texas. That's sheep country down there. I saw a lot of sheep. And I actually saw, I didn't see sheep led to the slaughter. I saw them led to the shearer. And 
Let me tell you something. A lamb led to slaughter doesn't know the difference. A lamb led to slaughter was going to be joyful and excited just like it would in anything other because they had no idea what was coming. Jesus knew what was coming, the lamb that was being led to slaughter. And instead of being mournful and sad and despondent, the Bible says this, who for the joy set before him despised the shame. Why? Because he knew what was on the other side of that pain. And the word despise says he despised the shame. Literally means to step over, to push down. So it's literally, if you're walking along, we've all done this, you see a branch and you sort of step on it and then walk on over it. That's what he was doing. He was despising the shame, despising the scorn. He was stepping over it, stepping over it. Who? For the joy set before him. Because he saw beyond the pain. He saw beyond the cross to a resurrection. And so that lamb that was being led to slaughter was not mournful as he sat around that table with those disciples on that night before he was betrayed. I have a feeling he was joyful. The Bible said that Jesus was filled with the oil of gladness more than all of his brethren. He was the funnest guy in the room. He was the most, he was the happiest guy in the room. The most joyful. And as he was around the table and they're recounting all these stories, he does something curious for the first time. He picks up a piece of bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. He says, when you come together like this, I want you to do it. I want you to remember me. That's why we do communion every week. We want to remember. And he took a common cup. and It was a goblet, probably, of wine. And he took it and he held it before him. He said, this is my blood poured out for you for the remission of many sins. And then he blessed them. And then together, they celebrated communion. As you celebrate communion this morning, as we do this together, and you watching online, could we remember that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness and that it was a joyful venture for him? Can we remember him smiling and laughing? We talked about the colonel who had his homegoing celebration on Wednesday. We talked about the joy of this man <laughs> dancing and holding his cane up. And, you know, almost every picture I have that I've taken over the years has a cane sticking up in it. And it's just the joy. Can we remember Jesus that way with that joy? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that the one who is anointed with the oil of gladness more than all of his brethren is the one who is the lamb led to slaughter on our behalf. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for the wine, the juice, the body and the blood. And we remember, thank you, Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can take the elements. Our guys are going to come by and they're going to pick up your, your cups. If you'll be patient there for a minute. We want to, uh, in this moment, dismiss our children to go to Bridge Kids classes. So, kids, if you will, stand to your feet. We want to pray for you before you go. If you would, bow and pray. Father, we lift up the next generation. We are thankful that they are culture shapers, difference makers, world changers. We speak life over them and into them and through them. And, Father, for our teachers and leaders, thank you for their love, their sacrifice for, on these children's behalf. We're grateful. In Jesus' name, everyone said...
Amen. Can we bless them as they go to their class? As they make their way, our guys are picking up our, their cups. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all doing that. I want to remind you, remind you of this, that one of the things that I always think about is that we look the most like our Heavenly Father when we're generous. And what a joy it is to be able to be so. And I want to say thank you to all of you. We are a very generous church, always have been. And I'm so thankful for that. And I always want to just say thank you for what you do. And I know you don't do it to get a thank you, but I want to say thank you. Because what you do, you make it possible. There's several ways to give. You'll notice on the screen that we have ways to give and all that information's up there. Appreciate y'all that are doing it online and uh, appreciate you doing that. But I also want you to get your eyes on the ministries that we are blessed to support, blessed to encourage. I want you to see all the names that are up there. And maybe the Lord will highlight a name for you, a ministry for you to pray for specifically today while we pray and while we give. And you'll see all of those. And these are all the ministries we're supporting right now. So I want you to know something. We say it a lot. It sounds redundant, but it's important. You're not giving to the church. You're giving through the church. And we are responsible before God to steward well the blessings that he gives us. And as that comes in, we steward it and we send it out. And we seed the gospel into all the world. And we get the privilege of doing that, not only by going ourselves, but by giving and through giving. So thank you for that. So I want to invite you to do something. If you would prepare your offering, we're going to pray for it. And we don't do a plate here at the bridge anymore, but now you notice the drop boxes at the different exits. And during worship, while we do this song together, feel free to get up out of your seat and you can go and, uh, and give your offering there. And would you just bless it before you do so? Just bless it. Say, Lord, bless this, use this, may it make a difference, and then give it that way. So let's all go ahead and stand together. Let's prepare to worship and give. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the privilege of giving, the privilege of sowing into life, making a difference by what we give. We honor you in it. We bless you in our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Grander earth has quaked before Seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all. well with me far be it from me to not believe even when my eyes can Thrown into the midst of the sea. 
It is well with me. Amen, church. Please be seated, would you? And as we do so, we're going to assault your eyeballs right now because we're going to turn the lights on. There we go. So this gives you an opportunity to take some notes during the sermon. And uh, we'll So 
Up in West Texas, as you know, there are grain elevators all over the landscape, and that's about all you can see, either that or pump jacks. And I remember there was this one particular grain elevator that when you drove by it on the highway, it would say the name of the company up on it, just normal. But when you get to a certain angle, and anyone around that area knew this, when you get to a certain angle, the way the, the perspective that it gave you would, it would turn into the face of a clock because of the way all the lettering fell. And every time, I remember growing up, we would drive by that grain elevator. We would always say, all right, it's right here. It's right here because we were all excited as young kids anticipating seeing what looks like a clock up on the grain elevator. Now, what is that? All that is is perspective. Because looking at it one way shows one thing, and then looking at it from another angle, from another place, another vantage point, changes it entirely. And you know how we see the year 2020 is going to depend on where you see it from, on your vantage point. Whatever your vantage point is, it's going to change your perspective. And I think it's so important. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look back on this year and regret the way I responded to it. I've been mindful throughout this weird year that we've had to be careful of what I say, what I post, I did one political post, biggest regret of my life. Curtis, you might can handle all that negativity, bro. Not me. I mean, you talk about out of my lane. One day I was frustrated. And so I just posted something, and it had to do with Antifa and the riots and all that stuff. That was when all that was going on. And I posted, I just kind of threw up. And I've, in years, I made a commitment years ago that I'd never post anything negative on social media. And the one time I broke it, I got slaughtered. And I realized I'm out of my, I'm out of my lane. This is not my lane. This is not. And I hated it from the moment I hit entered. I was like, yeah. And then we went off and did something. We were actually on a little vacation, a mini vacation. So we were gone for hours. I had no idea. And when I got back, I, my, my whole world had blown up, social media-wise. And boy, you're talking about pulling people out of the world. A lot of people I didn't even know read my stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, I, haven't, I remember you from the sixth grade, and I didn't really like you then. So it's like, good night. I didn't even know we were friends on social media. It's crazy. But I realized that my vantage point cannot be that I'm going to be a political commentator. That is not me. And so I, don't, I, I realized that was my one moment where I, I regretted something I said, something I did in regard to this year. And boy, I, I repented quickly. In fact, I took it down like a coward. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do this. I took it down because that's just not me. It's not who I am. Now listen, perspective is critical. And how do we engage what has happened now? I mean, we could say this has been an epic year. Now, epic doesn't always mean great. It just means big. This has been an epic year in many ways. One of the things I did want to do, and I forgot to do it in the introduction there, I wanted to pray for Nashville because that's kind of a second home to us. 
And boy, what a year they've had. Besides pandemic, besides Antifa showing up in their civic square, and besides a tornado, now they've had a bombing. And so it's just, man, just beset. Can we pause and pray for Nashville right now? i got a lot of friends there. Father, we just pray for the city of Nashville as they um, recover um, from this insanity. And uh, I'm thankful there was no more loss of life than there was. I'm thankful that um, it could have been worse, but, Lord, it's still horrendous. So pray for that community as they come together, as they rally together uh, in the wake of this bombing. And uh, pray for grace. Pray for peace. Above all, pray for love over that city. And we hold them up in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Thank you for doing that with me. Um, perspective. So we're coming out of an epic year. So what? <laughs> now, I really mean that. So what? So what next? One of my teaching professors, a preaching professor, Dr. Robert Smith. Oh, I love Dr. Smith. Dr. Smith was fun because all the world was a stage for Dr. Smith. He was known as a pulpiteer. I mean, he was like, he had a way with words, but he also would make these grand entrances. He always wore a suit to class, tie, and when Dr. Smith walked into the room, we used to say, showtime, because he would come in, he would glide across, boy, he would teach us about preaching. And uh, the hardest thing I ever did as a young preaching student was they videotaped us preaching our first sermon in front of the other students. Man, that was pure torture, I'm not going to lie. I found some obscure passage in the book of Romans and, and tried my best to unpack it. And, uh, and it was just, it was brutal. It was frightening. But I remember him because he was such a life giver. And after that, he helped us take a step back and see and find the good in what we had done. I mean, we were all terrible. It was, it was torture listening to each other. But we were trying to be encouraging, life-giving. And he would find the gold in the dust. He would find the diamonds in the coal. And he would pull it out of us. And I'm so thankful that he did. But he always asked this golden question. The golden question was this, so what? So if we were to preach this eloquent sermon, he said, the question on everybody's mind is, so what? If it's not, it should be. So what? So you try to answer the so what every time you teach or preach. That's a little inside you know, trade secret there. But I'm thinking in terms of so what? We're coming on the heels of an epic year. So what? Now. So what do we do now? So here's what I know about this year, and I think you do too. is that it has shaken life up. Listen to this. I just jotted some things down. Looking at 2020, a global pandemic of historic nature called COVID-19 has altered pretty much everything we do. For example, it's altered how we connect, how we relate and interact, social distancing, masks. Anybody tired of the smell of hand sanitizer? I used to enjoy going to the grocery store because I knew in Fredericksburg, I was going to see 10 or 15 people I know, and it was going to be church in aisle four. I mean, hey, how's it going? How you doing? How's it? 
Now people just go in because we all have masks on. We all have to social distance. And now we go in and get our toilet paper and our eggs and our milk, and then we get out of there. It's, it's just a blow-in, blow-out now. Have you ever tried smiling behind a mask? You did right at first, and you probably don't now. But at first you did because we thought maybe we just out of habit when we smile and engage people, we, we want to connect with people. And I'm a smiler. I love seeing people, so I always smile. And to smile behind a mask is just futile, right? I remember telling uh, an older lady in the parking lot that I was helping her put her water in the trunk of her car. I said, I'm smiling behind my mask. I just want you to know that. And I found myself telling people, having to tell people I'm smiling. See, this thing has altered everything we do. It's changed things. It's changed how we do business. I mean, online has just blown up. People are shopping online, doing everything online. Amazon is both my friend and enemy right now. They're my enemy because I have more boxes than I know what to do with. And they're my friend because it's convenient and I can't always get to a store because of quarantine and all the various things. It's changed how we do what we do. It's changed how we watch sports and experience entertainment. I mean, it's just weird putting on a football game or a basketball game and seeing empty stands. Or watching a show like The Voice. Or I love those shows. I, I like that stuff. Watching those shows, The Masked Singer, all these different shows. And, and there's just a bunch of TV monitors with people sitting at their computers cheering you on. It's just bizarre and weird. We're trying to adjust. We're doing the best we can, right? It's changed how we worship. But I praise God for Fredericksburg. And I praise God for our church. Just so you know, we were, we were down 11 weeks. We, we did, the church scattered for 11 weeks. That was about all I could take, to be honest. And we started meeting immediately. And we believe that you're smart enough, informed enough, and free enough to decide whether you want to wear a mask or not. I think that's on you. That's your decision. Amen? It's not mine to police. I'm not the police. I'm not going to police you. I'm going to trust you as an informed adult and an American citizen who's free to make your own decision. And so we've talked about how sometimes this is the most normal I feel when I'm around you guys because we don't have to do all that. But for those of you who do, no shame whatsoever. Just I want no shame in that game, right? You would have wanted to be wearing a mask two weeks ago. So it's changed how we do, well, pretty much everything. It's impacted everything. So what now? What do we do coming out of this epic, strange year? Well, I've got some thoughts. And I want to start with this. First of all, what does it cause? It's caused us to be distracted. There are so many people that I've known that, that at one point they were so engaged in their walk of Christ, on fire. And this has taken the wind out of their sails. It's cause their gaze to go somewhere else, to what's right in front of them. We've had to learn a new way of living, a new way of shopping, a new way of being out. We've had to do new things. I don't know if I'm the only man who forgets his masks every single time I get out of the car. There's a whole bunch of us that meet in the parking lot of various places going, forgot your mask? Yeah, I forgot. I mean, Russ meet me for coffee. I see him walk up. I see him walk back out, and I start laughing because I know he forgot his mask. We're 
It's a whole new way of life. And what do we do? We're distracted. We're also distanced, disconnected from one another, and we're disengaged in many ways. So how do we reclaim our, our love for Jesus? How do we get our focus back? How do we put the right glasses on and the right lens so that we can get refocused back on what matters, and that is the king and his kingdom? And so for a few weeks, we're going to do this sort of a mini a mini-series that I'm just calling So What Now? Taking Your Next Step. I want to start with this out of Luke 121. And it's actually a harken back to, uh, to the passage that we read during the Christmas story. And you'll remember this. Luke 1, verse 23 says this. When his time, who's his? That's Zechariah, the high priest, who became John the baptizer's dad. So when he... The high priest, when his time of service was completed, I love these three words, he returned home. He went back home. He had just met the archangel Gabriel in the most holy place, in the temple, beside the altar of incense. He met an angel not just an angel, but like a highest-ranking angel. There's Gabriel, there's Michael, he's an archangel. The one who attends the presence of God shows up after 400 years of prophetic silence between that intertestamental period. He shows up, and after that epic moment, he goes home. <laughs> what else are you going to do? He goes home. And what has to happen? Time time. So step number one, and we're going to cover a few of these steps, but only one today, and here it is. Sometimes we need to go back to the things we did at the first, and I'll clarify what that means. Sometimes we just need to go back to the things you did at the first. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, listen to this. John, the revelator, received these revelations, and and there's seven churches, seven letters to seven churches. And these angels gave and dispensed these letters and these revelations, this information to John, who was sentenced basically to die on the Isle of Patmos for his faith, for his walk with God. He was put in isolation. And here he is on this island, and he receives a series of revelations. And one of them was a series of letters. And this is the letter to the church at Ephesus. And look what he says. So the, the angel in the letter first reveals that they did some things right. They didn't like the teaching of the Nicolaitans, which was bad. They, they, they held down the, the ramp of morality and righteousness. But he says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. So they were doing some things right, but they had left their first love. What is the first love? It's the love you had at the first. Let me say that again. What is your first love? It's the love you had at the first. Do you remember the love you had at the first? I had one of my high school best friends here this morning. He went to school with me. He walked with me. He saw me walk through this whole process of coming to know Christ as a senior in high school. And we're best friends to this day. And he and Tammy, they come in and out. They have a place over on Bunk Cannon. And so they're in and out. And 
It's always fun to see Kirk sitting over here to know the history that we had and to know I got to be careful what I say because, I mean, we've got history. (laughs) But it's so fun having him here, but I was so reminded of the love I had at the first. Do you remember when you came to know Christ? Do you remember when you stepped over the line? Do you remember when you went all in? And maybe it wasn't the day you got born again. Maybe it was subsequent to that in later years where you came back to Jesus as a prodigal who had gone away. Am I the only one who has a prodigal story? (laughs) No, that coming back, the love you had at the first, it's a recovery. It's a restoration. And so what next? We've got to recover the love we had at the first. Because some of you forgot about how excited you were when you gave your life to Jesus. Because life has happened. Distraction has happened. Detachment has happened. All these things that have taken our gaze off of him have happened. We need to go back to the things we did at the first. Look at this in verse 5. So he says, here's the indictment. You've left your first love. Here's the answer to it. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen... Remember from where you have fallen. Where have you fallen from? Where were we that we are not now? Go back and do the things you did at the first. Look at this. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Number two, repent. That means return or turn. Go back and do the first works. In other words, and I put it in brackets for us, redo. Remember from where we've fallen, repent, return, and redo the things we did at the first. Step number one is go back to the things you did at the first. Remember, repent, and redo. Listen to 137 out of Luke. Now, this is also harkens back to the Christmas story because we just covered this. This is why this is all fresh in my heart. Listen to this. This is when the same angel Gabriel shows up to Mary just a few months later, and reveals to her and commissions her for the greatest mission ever, and that's to be the one through whom the Messiah would come, the mother of Jesus. Listen to this, verse 37. The angel Gabriel says, for nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that, family? That's a real nice saying until you're faced with the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And look what she says. May it be to me as you have said. Right there is a powerful statement. But what I want to focus on is the next line. Then the angel left her. See, Zechariah went home. The angel leaves. She did not remain in that state of, oh, angels, epiphany, music, Swirling little baby cherubs and all, I mean, rainbows and unicorns. All This mountaintop experience went away. And she had to go back to a village, now pregnant, and trying to say, I didn't do anything. I, seriously, I didn't. I'm not. I'm a virgin. I, and everybody's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she had to go back to the scorn and the disdain of her village, her community. Why? Because she couldn't stay on the mountaintop. Listen to this mountaintop experience. Remember our step number one, go back to the things you did at the first. They had to go back. Matthew 17, 1 through 9, we have an amazing 
epic story. Listen to this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. James and John were called the sons of thunder. They were the sons of Zebedee. They were bold. They were passionate. We know John is all in. He's passionate. We know by reading the gospel, he's the one who says the one whom Jesus loved. And he might as well have said the most because that's what he meant when he said that. So we know he's all in. But we also know that Peter is an all-in kind of guy. He's the guy who jumped out of the boat, pulled it, you know, Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant Dan. I mean, he pulled a Forrest Gump and went right after Jesus, stepped right out of the boat, and there for a moment walked on water. He is that guy. Go big or go home, Peter. So we've got the sons of thunder. We've got Peter, and they go with Jesus who led them up a high mountain by themselves. I've seen that mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. It's out in the desert. And it's literally, there's no other mountains around it. It's just south of Nazareth as you head from the Lake of Galilee down south. And when you stand on this ridge that looks, overlooks Nazareth, you see this big, it looks like, anybody ever seen Devil's Tower in Wyoming? All right. It was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's another reference. But we fl- I got to fly around it in an airplane one time, which is really cool. But it's just, it rises up out of the plains of Wyoming, not the mountains, the plains. And it's just out there in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus takes them up on this mountain that's just in the middle of nowhere. And look what happens, verse 2. Takes them up on a high mountain, verse 2. There he was transfigured before them. Transfigured, his figure was changed. His form was changed before them. His face shone like the sun. And his clothes became as white as the light. The reason why the gospel, three of the gospel writers recorded this incident, the reason why they said what they said is they had no way to describe what they were seeing. Bright light. That's all I know. White. What was it? It was the radiance of his presence, the radiance of his glory. They got to see behind the veil, so to speak. It was though heaven got peeled back for a moment, and they got to see Jesus as he is in his glorified form. Wow. So they're on a mountain. This is happening. And look what happens. Verse 3. Just then, as if that wasn't crazy enough, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. So epic just got epicer. That's not even a real word, but it just got more epic. It just got notched up. It won up. It got biggie-sized. Verse 3, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, and they were just chatting with Jesus. That's what it says. They were talking with Jesus. They're there. Jesus is radiant, and now two of the greatest prophets and the greatest leaders of all time show up, and they're just having a conversation. Ah, would you have been trying to sneak a listen? Would you have been there eavesdropping? Would you have been there going, I want to hear everything they're saying? But look what happens. Verse 5. While he was still speaking, so Jesus and Moses and Elijah, a bright cloud enveloped them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God himself speaks. Now, this cloud was not like a mist. Like we, is actually smoke. So the whole mountain was covered in smoke. You see smoke represented. Whenever you see the presence of God manifested, you see smoke. 
when they dedicated the temple, Solomon's temple, the, it was filled with smoke because it was the presence of God being manifest. Smoke surrounded this entire mountain. They were enveloped by it, and they hear this thunderous voice. Would you say this is an epic moment for these guys? Yeah, slightly. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, <laughs> they fell down. They just collapsed. They couldn't even stand in the presence. Does that remind you of anything? When the temple of Solomon was dedicated, it says that the priests who were in the temple could not even stand to minister. See, when God shows up unhindered, unrestrained, unfiltered, you may not even be able to stand in his presence. I'm just going to say something out here out loud, throw this out for food for thought. Have you ever heard the term slain in the spirit? Yeah, some people are scared to death of that. Like, oh gosh, that would never happen. Oh, that's not biblical. It's biblical. And that is when the presence of God shows up in a way that is so unfiltered, unhindered, and unrestrained that the human experience can't take it in. And it's in that moment that you just forget to stand up because you're completely lost in his presence. what it says when the disciples heard this they fell face down to the ground terrified <laughs> verse 7 but Jesus came and touched them get up he said don't be afraid how often do we read in the scripture where an angel or Jesus or somebody is saying don't be afraid they're encountering something heavenly unfiltered and every time don't be afraid don't be afraid don't be afraid are we getting the message that maybe we're not supposed to be afraid of these things so why are we? Why are we afraid? Verse 8, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Poof, everything's gone. Smoke's gone. Moses and Elijah supernaturally disappear. And all that's left is Jesus. And look at, look at their response. We don't see this one in this. There's three accounts. And in, in the other account... Peter immediately wants to build something. He, he, he wants to, to, to build a, a, these tents, these little tabernacles. He, he wants to remember this. He wants a place to go back to. And Jesus does the unexpected. He leads them down the mountain. Why? Just look what it says. Verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen. What? Seriously? Have you ever had an encounter with God or just an epic moment in your life? Listen, there are people who would be like going up to Moses and going, can I get a selfie with you? This is so Instagram worthy. Can I get a, can I get, let's get one together. Let's get a group pic because man, I've got to tell the world what I've experienced. We do that. It's human nature to want to express what we're encountering, what we're experiencing. We do it through social media now. But then they would have gone right down the hill and started telling everybody that would listen to them, I have seen what no other man has seen. And Jesus says, don't tell. Don't. Wow. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. He said, until, the, until that time, be quiet about this. I want to remind you, step one is go back to the things you did at the first. 
See, we want to live on the mountain, <laughs> but that's not where people are. That's not where we live out our faith. We live out our faith in the grind, in the doldrums. When things aren't epic, when things aren't so amazing, Peter wanted to build a memorial. Jesus said, let's go back down. Step one, we got to go back to the things we did at the first. I want the worship team, if you would, guys, if you'll make your, your way up here. We're going to go out with worship. A couple of thoughts here. So what now? We remember, we repent, and we redo. Annette and I oftentimes will start, we'll be sitting around having a conversation, be out to dinner on a date or something. We'll start reminiscing and talking about when we met. We did that a little bit yesterday. We're laughing because it's funny stuff. But we'll talk about our first date at Taco Villa. Yeah. What an intentional date. The date came later at Gardsky's Loft. But we did do Diet Cokes at Taco Villa. We'll, we'll talk about our time together and we'll reminisce. And you know what it does? It just it brings up joy and life and laughter and love and connection. And we need to do that with Jesus. See, Jesus gave them a glimpse of what the mountaintop looks like, but that's not where they stayed and that's not where they lived. But they got to see it. They got to experience it. So it's not wrong to enjoy the mountaintop. It's just we cannot stay there. He wants us to bring our experience down where people are so that we can live our lives out loud. We remember we turn, we return, and we redo the first things. So as we close, what did you do at the first? What did you do that gave you life? For me, it was this book that gave me life. I was told by the guy who led me to Christ that these were the words of God and the words of Jesus. So me as a brand new Christian, I thought, then I need to get to know that book. The second thing that happened that gave me life that I return to often is music. Duh. Duh. I do it because I, it gives me life. I don't do it because I need another guitar player. We've got Greg. We've got Capable. I do it because it's life-giving. In about 1981, I turned over to KJAK, and it was like the only Christian radio station at the time, and it was all talk radio except on Sunday afternoons at 5 o'clock, we got one hour of this newfangled music called Christian rock. One hour. And one day I accidentally turned over there and I heard this band called Sweet Comfort Band. And then after that I heard a band called Petra. And then a guy named Larry Norman. Then another guy named Steve Camp. And I started hearing all this music and I was like, what? You can do this? I was getting ready to sell all my gear, by the way. I had brand new Christian. I had piles of guitar equipment. That was when everything was big. And I'm about getting ready to sell everything, and I find out that I can actually play music and glorify God. That the devil trained me to glorify God. Boy, talk about turning one on the enemy. So that's exactly what I did. I found a band, a Christian band. I got involved. So music, to this day, is just, it's a life giver to me. Just ask Annette. I have it going all the time. And every once in a while, I like to go back. This is what I love about digital world like 
Amazon Unlimited, I can go back and pull up Sweet Comfort Band, Larry Norman, Petra, Steve Camp, Idle Cure, Striper. Right, Chuck? Remember Striper? <laughs> to Hell with the Devil. That's the name of their album. That's all. Just <laughs> not cursing in the pulpit. Some of us cut our teeth on that stuff. And what does it do? It's just life-giving family. Go back and do the first things. So as we engage a new year, what are the first things? What do you need to go back to? What do you need to remember? What do you need to return to? What do you need to redo? Can you stand with me? Let's pray. We're going to worship our way out. The last little thing I want to say is Annette and I, every year, for years now we've done this, we pick one word for the year. We call it my one word. Used to be a list. I never could remember those. I lost them by the third week, so it'd get stuck in a Bible or a book somewhere, and I'd never see it again until two years later. And so we started something where one, year, one word, we'd grab one, year that, one word that would capture our heart for the coming year. And we've done this. Several of you have done this. I'd love to hear yours if you've got one. But Annette and I separately arrived at the same word. And the other day I brought it up to her and she's like, that's my word. And I'm like, no, it's my word. I said, well, then it's our word this year. And it's not, not earth shattering or anything for us. We want this next year to be a year where everything is about love for us. Because I've had a hard time loving some people this year. Have you struggled in that one? I mean, just, yeah. And so I want to lean into this year with radical, radical love. And I don't know, maybe God's put a word on your heart. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but maybe just give it a little bit. Pray about it. Say, Lord, is there a word that would capture the following year? We've done this for years, and we have them all over our house. We've got them stuck all over the place. From years past, we, we get these little metal signs, and we just stick them up each year. So we ordered ours. It should be in. So love is our word. So I, I would invite you to think about it. Pray about it. Ask Jesus. Say, is there a word that you would have me engage for this coming year? And then let it be a theme. Let it be something you return to for the coming year. Can we pray? Father, we love you. I pray for my friends and family here and those that are online with us. Just hold them up, Lord. We're turning a corner here on 2020 and staring down the barrel of 2021. And we want to engage it with our hearts wide open and with perspective and with a vantage point of heaven that we could see above the line and above the fray of this crazy world and not allow it to take us down. So, Lord, we engage. We return to the things we did at the first that brought us life to refocus our lives, refocus our vision, our heart upon you. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you.
Amen, church. God bless you as you go. You're dismissed.